0: Hey guys, Jack here. Thank you so much for tuning in. As many of you know, Zach is now living in the country of Jordan. Uh, And as a consequence, our internet connection has not been as good. The good news is, the situation is improving, and future episodes should be without audio quality issues. The bad news is that this is not one of those episodes. Uh, So our apologies about the audio quality. uh, Please bear with us, since I think that we had some really excellent strategy analysis in this episode, and it's well worth... Bearing through uh, my fuzzy voice in particular. The Just Hands Poker Podcast is brought to you by our partners at Solve for Why. Solve for Why is a unique poker coaching experience from high stakes pros Matt Berkey, Christian Soto, Jordan Young, and now Zach and myself. Solve for Why is the only poker training camp that teaches live poker strategy. Solve for Why turns conventional poker wisdom on its head by providing students with a unique poker philosophy by utilizing real time analytics. By emphasizing psychology and personal interaction, and by recording and reviewing students' play using RFID technology, the Y Advanced Poker Training Academy delivers a framework to think and act differently. Y is poker evolved. To learn more, head to solveryacademy.com or use the link in the show notes. The next academy is February 18th through the 20th, and I will be there. Uh, so hope to see you guys there. And again, thank you for tuning in and enjoy this week's episode. Hey, Jack. Hey, Zach.
1: How you doing? Good. Good. Just finishing up some flight booking right now for a little trip to the U.S. on Monday.
0: Yeah. You're headed uh, to Miami?
1: Yeah. Going to this uh, Bitcoin crypto asset conference. Uh, get it on Tuesday. Go back on Saturday. If there's any listeners there, uh, please let me know. would love to see you. Uh, but yeah, excited for my first and hopefully not last Bitcoin conference.
0: Nice. I'm looking forward to hearing what you learn about. In the meantime, let's talk about an older school form of gambling, uh, that being No Limit Texas (laughs) Hold'em. So this comes from the Empire Casino in London. I've actually played there. That's the only place I've played. And they have an interesting structure since you can buy up to the largest stack. So you end up with some pretty deep one, two pound games. Uh, and the exchange rate makes it a little bit of a bigger game for us, or at least it did. Uh, when I was visiting there, I don't know, you know, post Brexit, I'm assuming their economy is totally tanked, but, uh, <laughs> who knows? Anyway, our correspondent writes that he gets right into it. He says the only villain is a young German male who's very aggressive. Sorry, very loose aggressive. He plays over, over 50% of his hands, and always raises when he opens. He has shown quite a few trash hands like 4 suited, King X off suit, etc. He loves to raise even in marginal spots. Before this hand, I doubled up from him in a 1,200-pound pot where we were all in on a Jack-8 4-flop. My Jack-8 suited versus Queens. He went to buy more chips a few hands later to match my stack. So basically, I think he is a super loose aggressive player that wants to get his money back from me. And, Yeah. that sounds right to me
1: okay so let's I assume this is main villain in the hand yeah so
0: we just need to make a huge hand you know and then get all the the money yep or perhaps take a higher variance approach Uh, but that's not that wouldn't be you know a just hands approved strategy we we really recommend just like tightening up make the nuts get paid
1: yep that's how we do it here
0: all right So our correspondent writes I was the effective stack with around eleven hundred dollars. Villain opened under the gun one for fifteen and it folded to me on the big blind. I three bet to forty as Queens okay, well he has Queens. (laughs) (laughs) I three bet to forty as Queens is way ahead of villain's opening range. Yes, definitely three bet queens. Perhaps three bet queens bigger.
1: Oh yeah. Um, I'm going at least fifty here. Probably just like sixty. But I'd say anything less than 50 is a a pretty big mistake. This guy is just never folding when you're 1,200 pounds deep in a 1-2 game, and you make it 40. Yeah.
0: Probably just, like, make it 75, but...
1: I think exploitively, with a hand as good as Queens, I want to make it more like 60-65. But I think if I had to pick a standard size this deep out of position against this guy, it'd be like 70, maybe 75.
0: Yeah. No, I've... uh, That's probably fine. That's probably good. I think I'm definitely starting to get to that point where, like, over my various samples, I've just been like kind of constantly like taking those sizes up, and I'm actually just starting to get to like the types of sizes that start to get folds. And I think like three betting to six x out of position is like around that around that size where you just do start to get some folds.
1: Well, not everyone if looks like a wondering. fucking lunatic like you. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. I had it too. Anyway, he also. <laughs> <laughs> He also doesn't seem to care about position as much and basically opens open raises any hand he's willing to play. So if position is not relevant, which I guess was kind of my assumption, but then, yeah. Well, you know, either way. It's just bad sizing. I think sixty sounds good. The flop is the 10 of diamonds, 7 of hearts, 6 of diamonds,
1: uh, and our, our hero does have the
0: queen of diamonds. What are your thoughts here?
1: Definitely starting by checking. And... I'm almost certainly going to check call. It's just a board that, you know, I don't want to say smashes our opponent's range because I guess this guy is so loose that, you know, it it doesn't smash it maybe as much as like a under the gun open, just flat calling a three bet range should. But he certainly has, you know, all of the nut combos. Like I think he has eight, nine suited here. Every combo based on the way you describe this player, I think he has every combo of sixes and sevens and tens. This is this is not the spot to stack off 600 big blinds, but you're still ahead. Uh, but you really don't want to get raised. I think if you bet, you have to fold to a raise. So I like starting by checking and calling, and having the queen of diamonds you know, doesn't help because now some of your value targets like draws, you're blocking them. So yeah, it's definitely check and almost certainly call.
0: Hmm. So let me. Let me remind you of the opponent description, since I am I disagree a little bit. So what we've been told, and we can maybe assume that this is a slight exaggeration, since I think that's often the case with these descriptions. But let's assume, I guess at first, that like this is the truth and that this is a positionally insensitive person who opens about 50% of hands, got 3-bet to less than 3x... When he's in position against someone who he clearly like wants to beat, I don't think he's basically. I don't think he's ever folding that three bet. So he could have like fifty percent of hands here, is a possibility. Wow. Right. I mean, like if he's opening like fifty percent of hands, like even if that's only forty percent from underground one or thirty five percent. Yeah. I don't think he's ever folding. He's so, like, never I folding don't...
1: for twenty five more. Yeah.
0: And y- yes, okay. like this is not a good board for us, but I actually so. My thinking here is that we should check raise. The reason I think checking is a really good way to start this hand is that our opponent is actually very likely to bet when check to. Our opponent seems to, from the description and just from the pre behavior, sort of default to being an aggressor, and I think with almost anything with a piece and maybe even just like total whiffs. He's just going to bet. And we're obviously like crushing, I think that betting range, but we could use some protection. Like this board is unlikely to get much better for our hand. And there are plenty of nut hands that our opponent has. And I think he would three bet them. So I like a check raise and then potentially fold to a three bet. Like we do put ourselves out on a limb if our opponent's going to be like relentlessly like three bet bluffing us, like we might, you know, make a big mistake. But I guess I'm willing to I'm willing to assume that our opponent's not going to be like super unbalanced with his flop three bets, or that if he is, it's going to be towards value, and that we don't want to be calling. I agree with you that we don't want to be calling off our entire stack on this type of board, just because there's so many hands our opponent could have. And the hands that he's likely to be bluffing with are in pretty good shape against us.
1: So I think that uh, even like
0: seven eight is in pretty good shape against us. Like yeah. if he decides to turn that into a call with that, if we check face.
1: I think the perspective I was coming from was probably that like this exa- this was a very big exaggeration or at least big exaggeration, because that typically is how it is. I know our listener has seen the four two suited. And then hearing you kind of say it again, I, I, yeah, I guess this guy is really kind of a maniac. So I think I like check raising, but we're hundred percent folding to a three bet. And that that's kind of the real question for me is like, based on previous play, do we think he's likely to like three bit bluff a ton with like any draw? It's really hard to know. I think check raising could definitely perhaps be the best play. And then, Hearing you talk about it more, yeah, this guy likes to bet and he likes to be the aggressor. So I think we want to give him room to kind of bet many of his hands. I think I can get behind the check raise. There's just the problem with check raising is I think we really do have to fold to a three bet. And if he happens to be the type of maniac who's just going to like do a lot of three bet bluffing and over three bet bluffing here, we're just you know we're losing a ton. It's it's kind of a hard kind of a hard spot.
0: Yeah, I mean going to get into hard situations on this board because we're w- playing against a sticky opponent on a board that favors our opponent's range and we have a hand that's very unlikely to improve so we should be expecting to get into tricky spots but i think the flop is the time for us to get value we can get some protection from this check raise and i think it should give us some clarity moving forward that our opponent's not going to have like we don't want to have to call down thinking that our opponent could just have like ace deuce of hearts and just be blasting off here. Like if we check raise, I think we and we, like we got called on the flop, we can define our opponent's range pretty well.
1: I even if it's still pretty wide. Completely. I think we're ahead like, you know, 95-99% of the time if our opponent bet calls the flop.
0: Oh yeah. I think I think that's likely. I mean, sure, I think he might flat some straights, but uh he might not. Anyway, on a two flush board.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the only hand I'm wor- I would be worried about is like a six-seven that like just decides to like call and like see a turn in position. That would be the only hand I think wouldn't three bet that were. Behind,
0: uh, behind. Yeah, and we we actually
1: yeah. have
0: we actually have decent equity against that type of hand. Although yeah. I don't. Anyway,
1: so do you like check raising now,
0: or do you like do you still like check calling? <laughs>
1: It's tough. I mean, I feel like with the information we have, there's not that big of a difference between check calling and like check raising, probably like slightly for the check raising. But the problem with check raising is that that could end up being like really bad, even though it could also be really good. You know, it's 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 higher variance in kind of every sense. So yeah, I I, I don't I don't feel like I could definitively say either option's better at this point.
0: Mm-hmm. Alright, well I feel pretty good about the check raise, so our opponent or sorry, our hero did not check. And I think this is actually a pretty common mistake. Like I don't think betting out I don't think betting is terrible. But when we have an opponent who is likely to bet a range that's like we're absolutely crushing, we should let him bet that range. And if we decide to then raise for like some combination of value and protection or just call to keep that range wide, then either of those are fine. But I think that when we bet here, our opponent's pretty likely to fold like absolute trash. And given this opponent description, I think he's pretty likely to bet it. And so I, I want to let Villain bet trash. But our let me say what our hero thinks, or our hero wrote here. He says, my thinking here is that I should C-bet most boards where Queen's is an overpair, as they're likely to be ahead. Villain has a super wide calling range, so I can get value from any 10, 7, or 6 or hands like 7 ten-nine, or 5-6. If only has 7-6, he's likely to raise me given our stack sizes. I agree you're likely to get raised by two pair, and I agree that you're very likely to get value from those hands. I just think that you're likely to get value from those hands if you check call as well, and you can get value from other hands. And if you check raise, I think you can get a lot of value from those hands, since I don't think that this guy would fold a hand like 10-9 or 7-8. I think also check call and then check raise on like a good turn card is an interesting play. What would you think about that line, Zach? Like, if we get, like, a, a, a pretty sick deuce or something?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. I could get behind that, uh, especially because I think someone is much more likely to, like, if they're going to over three bet bluff, it's going to be on the flop with, yeah. you know, two cards to come. Or, like, you really have to be, like, pretty sick.
0: Uh, yeah, you do have to be pretty, f- yeah, pretty darn to, sick to, to, like, three bet your flush draws on the turn when they, yeah. When they break, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I think, I think actually, uh, Yeah, I like that. I like that. The problem is
0: the only issue is that there's not that many good
1: turn cards. No, there's there's really not, and I still feel like I have a small preference for check calling, just all things considered. And yeah, this is as I was thinking of the flop line, I didn't really consider what we would do on the turn. But you know, if if we if we check raise the flop and we get a deuce on the turn, like great, we can barrel again. But like, if we check raise the flop. Probably on most turn cards we have to start by checking again, right? Dude, we could go we could go for the double check raise. That this is actually kind of the perfect opponent to go for a double check raise against.
0: I know, this is like a good <laughs> opponent for a double check raise. The thing is I think we can I actually think we can barrel a lot of turn cards. I think a king, queen or jack we can barrel and then probably a 6 or lower we can barrel. Probably not going to barrel a 7. I think I think a seven's reasonable to barrel. But yeah, I mean like we're out of position again. We're out of position like a, a pretty tough board to play like. So we are going to do some check raise checking, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Like if we get if we get called and then we get like a really shitty card like a ten eight or nine, then yeah we might just check full That's fine. We'd probably do the same with like seven six. Also we'll have plenty of hands to defend like I would think. Well, not a ton. What we'll to else Let me get this. Anyway, sorry. Not to uh, go off on too much of a tangent. I think check haul flop, check raise turn is reasonable, but I kind of like, I still like check raise and flop. Okay. Turn was the five of hearts. Oh, by the way, I also think we can barrel on basically any diamond. Right?
1: After check raising?
0: Yeah, when we get check raise called, I think I'd rather barrel the eight of diamonds than check call the eight of diamonds.
1: Yeah, I, I can I can get behind that. I guess we're just we're just bet folding.
0: Yeah, no, we're bet folding. I mean, okay. like, because I also think there's like, when we check raise the flop, our opponent will be three betting flush rise at some frequency. Hopefully, it's a low frequency, but. One, he's not going to have that many diamond draws because like he's probably C-betting, like forty percent of all hands. <laughs> so like, mm-hmm. and we have the queen of diamonds. But if he does have like enough less draw, then like, I would guess he would three bet it. But I'm, um, I mean, that's okay. That doesn't mean the the check raise is going to be bad.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so the turn is a five of hearts. So as played, are you betting again here as hero? We've we've got a. Uh...
1: Yeah. Yeah got it you gotta, you gotta bet
0: we got about picture. two we got a little little under 200 in the pot so what are you betting 150 to
1: 170
0: yeah yeah I don't mind check raising <laughs> but yeah. seriously, like I I don't mind I would probably just you know it's just like why am I ever gonna just not let this guy bet his entire range like we have Queens and it's like a 10 seven six five board like does he have some two pair now that he didn't have on the flop yeah but like who cares like he's he's got all he's probably got a ton of shit like let's just let him bet it and the check raise again
1: okay yeah i, I think i think on the oh no we
0: didn't check raise before
1: but like yeah i think you have me convinced while i wouldn't have bet the flop i i think i like check raising this turn for sure like if we're this guy here who just like loves to bet people off hands and like a three better like bets on like a flop and you call and then this card comes like He's just going to
0: think, think you have ace-king and you're going to fold. And he's going to want you to fold with anything yeah. he has. Like, Yeah. And this is not the kind of guy who's sophisticated. Not, like, you know, people who are just, like, default aggression don't think, like, oh, like, you know, I probably – my expected value here is higher if I let him potentially bluff <laughs> the river.
1: Yeah.
0: They're thinking, like, oh, like, he checked, he's weak. I don't, I don't even need to look at my hand. Like, I'm just going to bet. Yeah. That's honestly what I think is going to happen. So I would – Having deferred our check-raise to the turn, I would check-raise now. Like I think the reason I like check-raising the flop better is because we don't get to check-raise hands like Ace, Deuce of Hearts here, because I think he folded them on the flop, but I think we're still pretty far ahead of Villain's flatting range on the flop. So I'll just go ahead and check-raise here. And so Hero decided to bet to 70, uh, and I think that's a pretty dangerous sizing. What are your thoughts here, Doc?
1: Yeah, that's like that's a really bad sizing. Like you basically give like, you know, all the odds, not maybe not direct, uh, for some of the draws, but certainly enough implied odds to basically every draw in his range to call. And then it's also a sizing where he can raise and then you feel like, Oh shit, I kinda have to call because I only bet seventy to two hundred and I'm playing against a maniac. It's just it's kind of the worst of all worlds, I would say, in terms of the bet sizing. Not to be too harsh, but it just yeah, it's you know, if we're betting like 40 or 50, that could feel really comfortable. Like, we're betting that maybe to induce. We think we're going to raise a lot of the time 70, 80. Just, yeah, it doesn't feel good to me.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think if it was a slightly safer card, like a three, then betting 70 here to induce would be kind of interesting. But yeah, I think the problem is when you bet to 70 and you get raised, like, you can't really three bet with this hand. And so you're kind of forced to call and then probably bluff catch for a big sizing on the river. And yeah, it's an unappealing spot because I think when you raise, when you bet like closer to pot here, which is the sizing I'd recommend, I'd, I'd say you should bet like 150 or 160. I don't think you get bluffed raised a ton. And on a card where clearly your opponent could pick up some two pair and you're unlikely to have, I think you're sort of unlikely to have better than one pair here. Anyway, I think you, you have to be less worried about getting bluff raised by this guy after you bet pot. So yeah. Our hero writes, I made the bet a bit small in the turn for pot control because I don't want to commit a 600 big blind stack with just an overpair. And I think, I think that's a reasonable sentiment, but I think Zach would agree with me. I would say if you really want a pot control here, you're better off checking and calling than betting a small sizing. Against a very aggressive player. Agreed. I also think like. You do have just an overpair. But your opponent also just flatted the flop. So like. Your overpair to me is looking pretty good. So even though pot controlling is fine to a degree. I think. You don't want to over pot control. Because. You do have a really good hand. All right. All right. If I check, Villain is sure to bet most of his stop-calling range, so by betting I can control the size of the bet. And obviously we've debunked that by just, you know... Oh, sorry, I don't know if I've given Villain's action yet. Villain does raise to 210. So, yeah, so I think to say that we control the size of the pot by betting a hero out of position is not true. That's kind of the definition of being out of position, is we really can't control the size of the pot. That's kind of an interesting thing to like just take a note of. It's like when you're out of position, you can do some pot controlling, but like for the most part you really can't. We can we can limit the number of bets going into the pot to one, but we can't control the size of that bet. And so I think pot controlling should be like a little bit more of a last resort out of position. And we should more be thinking about like can I possibly like capture or uh, do I have better options than trying to Turn my bluff catcher, turn my hand to a bluff catcher early, and you know, try and keep the pot small.
1: I'm definitely calling so, once the raise happens. I'm, I'm not, I'm not psyched about it, but definitely calling. Yeah, I think you have to call. So,
0: so hero writes uh, the raise put me in the tank for a while. At this point, I would fold versus any other player at the table, but because villain bluffed so much, I felt that it was a situation where he thinks a big bet can get me off a top pair, top kicker kind of hand. And I would say, like, I think your opponent probably doesn't think you have a top pair, top kicker type of hand. I think he's probably a good enough hand reader and has played at these stakes long enough to know that you have an overpair. Or maybe a bluff. Yeah. Even if you are raising 3-betting some 10x, like, I think the field is not. And so this guy probably is going to assume you... Basically never have a 10, I would guess. Anyway, Hero writes, I'm either way behind to a flush strike with eight, nine, or I'm ahead. Zach, you would, you would agree that villain probably has like a good amount of two pair, like all seven, five and six, five, maybe even all off combos
1: here. Oh yeah. I don't know about all off combos, but definitely all the suited combos.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that's a,
1: there's a big difference between those. Um, we can't rule we can't out some th- unsuited combos, I think, just from what we know. Like, we have to give them some. Yeah. Maybe like, a quarter to one-third.
0: Yeah, I think that's reasonable. But, like, at least, you know, like, eight or nine two-pair combos here. <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked to see fives, but...
1: Yeah, fives isn't full on the flop in position.
0: I don't know. Fives could fold the flop.
1: <laughs> this guy, though.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he could call them fives. Anyway, the main point is, like, I don't think you're only ever behind a straight. So after five to ten minutes of tanking, I called our hero rights.
1: <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I feel like uh, you're just... In I the hope worst. you're taking to a deuce. You're just the um, worst spot on the river now if you were planning on not putting any more money in.
0: Yeah. I, uh, our hero rides, I considered shoving tank villain full to stimulus, Bluff, but I thought it was a bad play because I don't gain much from it. Yeah, I I think that's true. Like, if you had a slightly different stack size, then maybe you could get this player to make a bad call with the drawing hand. But I think here you're just risking way too much by shoving. All right, so having tanked for five to ten minutes, we see the Ace of Diamonds on the river. Obviously not a great card. No. (laughs) It's kind of, I mean, like... I think I actually do think there's a case for turning our hand into a bluff here.
1: This definitely would be the card to do it. It's just like, is this a guy we want to be bluffing a ton, you know? Like we've seen him be very aggressive when he's in position, but does he have that same is it the same dynamic? Like will he also just call down like a lot? Like is he is he gonna fold two pair here? It's hard to say. I I based on the way this film is described, like probably is like a fairly decent hand reader and just likes to go for it all the time. So against a player like that, yeah, I, I, I I see merit. It's just my, my gut when there's someone who's playing a ton of hands, flashing around all the time. is like, you know, we just want to be under bluffing them generally and making our money by having good hands kind of boring, but usually makes more money.
0: Yeah. I think the old check fold here
1: is very solid guaranteed
0: to be plus EV or at least, you know, greater or equal to zero EV. I'll just say, I think it's important to like, think about combos here in terms of flush draws. Like when that specifically the ace of diamonds comes and we have the queen of diamonds, it's really hard for our opponent to have a flush. Like it's possible, but there's just not a ton of flush, you know, draw hands king-jack, king-nine, jack-nine, jack-eight, maybe king-eight. And then, like, sort of low, unconnected hands. And a lot of the combo draws seem super likely to raise on the flop to me. So I don't think our opponent has a flush very often at all. I think we, we've established that there's a good amount of two-pair. And I think people are just pretty conditioned to fold. Like, when they don't have the flush and the flush comes in and someone knocks into them. I think your tank could be... So I would be tempted,
1: but I don't mind to check full. Of. Anyway.
0: Right. Do you have anything to add to that, today?
1: Well said, sir. Thank you.
0: So Hero writes, I checked uh, as the river hit... Or sorry, I checked as the river hit villain's flush draw range. And yeah, I think it's possible that your opponent could have a flush, but I still think it's fairly unlikely. Villain checked behind and showed me Ace-8 offsuit.
1: Wow, you didn't go for some thin value? What's what's he doing? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Probably a good spot not to go for thin value, although... I don't know. Just because it's like... But I think, like, your hand is almost always... Ace-8 is almost always the best hand here.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know the philosophy where it's like... You know, when when someone is very unlikely to check-raise the river as a bluff, which is true for the vast majority of people of live poker and probably true for our listener, and you almost always have the best hand, like, you should just really be betting. Like, 100, you know? Yeah. 125. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree.
0: Yeah, if I, if I ever show up here with Ace Data, I'm definitely value betting. I think it's, like, a reasonable—I think the behavior of not value betting a hand like this would be pretty well-reinforced, by the field in these games because the field plays scared and shows up here with stronger hands than you expect. And the field doesn't call when like the ultimate scare card comes in, you know? But yeah. So I guess I'll ask like, are you surprised to see a eight, eight opposite here?
1: Not really. I mean, like I, I wouldn't necessarily think our villain has all of these combos based on the pre-flop action, but I think uh, based on the description, once he gets to the flop this way, I mean, I don't, I don't think he's folding a gut shot and Ace high in position, and then on the turn he smelled weakness and raised. You know, seems yeah. seems seems fitting.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not that surprised to see it, and I would be shocked if like. A-State suiteds didn't play this way. To me, like, the fact that there will be some Aces here makes me, like, turn your hand to a bluff a, bluff a little bit more. But do you think this guy would fold A-State if we just, to like, come out and
1: jam? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, like,
0: I think so too, man.
1: Like, you'd have to be pretty,
0: just like, no one no one does that at these stakes. Like, no one, like, is even thinking that you could possibly be bluffing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you have no natural bluffs.
0: I think you could get two pairs to fold here. But you have to rip
1: it. Yeah. Also, I wouldn't count on it, but if we shove and this guy like tank folds with baby flush, you know, that wouldn't shock me. Me either. Okay, man. Well, our audio quality is not great. I don't want to subject our listeners to any more of this, but very interesting hand. Thanks for writing in.
0: Yeah, guys, sorry about the connection. We're working to improve it. Uh, Thank you guys for tuning in,
1: and we'll see you next week.